If I were to give you a title this morning, it's simply this, keep knocking on heaven's door. Keep knocking on heaven's door. Keep knocking on heaven's door. Um, my, my grandmother is uh, in, uh, in November, no, sorry, or early December, she turned 90 years old. My grandma. Um, and um, I hadn't seen her in a while. And so um, I wasn't able to make it on the, the time that the family had set to gather with her for her 90th birthday. So I, but I was still determined um, to get down to Virginia to see her. So I jumped on a plane about a week after her birthday celebration. Um, I jumped on a plane and went out, flew into Norfolk, Virginia, and headed over to Hampton, Virginia. Anybody know where Hampton, Virginia is? Any, uh, there we go. I knew I got one, two, three in the valley. Let's go. Holler at me. Um, and uh, I just showed up at Grandma's door. Um, didn't even let her know I was coming. I was knocking for a while. I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, please come to the door. I don't know what's going on. I flew all the way in, but I'm just knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. And, um, and sure enough, she comes to the door, and she's quite surprised uh, to see um, her second oldest grandchild um, who hasn't been there in a while. Shame on me. Um, but I, she loves coffee just as much as I do. Um, and so I had committed to getting down before the end of the year to make her the perfect pour over. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, that is the only way to drink your coffee. Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So sorry. Sorry. That's so snobbish. Yes, I am. Um, but anyway, I brought my, my I brought my kit and and um, brought and whatever additional pieces I couldn't bring on the plane. I I, sh I went over to a spot and picked up a few pieces and, dro and drove back to Grandma's house and set up my whole setup and grind the beans, brought her some so a special roast from New York City. Um, just, anyway, um, and, and then she sits down because she loves coffee, but she, she, grandma at 90 doesn't know like really good coffee, right? And so she just goes to like Langley Air Force Base because my grandfather served in the army. And so she has like this free pass to go in there and to the commissary and she just picks up like the generic brand, like this big old, like already grinded like 20 years ago generic brand, right? <laughs> And she just, just goes through that in like a week because that's all, that's all grandma does. Like on my way in, like I had family calling me like, oh, David, like, like don't give grandma too much coffee when you get there because the doctor says that your grandma's not been drinking enough water and, 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 and it's not good for her health. I'm like, she's 90 years old. <laughs> now you want to tell her that she can't have her coffee? She's been doing fine for 90 years. Me and grandma are going to sit down and have some coffee. So I come in, I grind my beans, and she's watching me. She prefers the dark roast, and, uh, and I sit down, and, um, and I pour her a nice little cup, and she literally, like, swallows the first cup. She's lit up. And then, like, I pour her a second cup, and I pour my own second cup, and we sip coffee and talk for hours. We talk for hours, and it's just such a beautiful time. And just kind of midway through, just kind of shooting the breeze and talking about family and talking about life, Grandma goes, you do know the Lord's Prayer, right? And I'm like, yeah, of course, Grandma, of course I know the Lord's Prayer. She goes, it starts with, this is Grandma, 90 years old. She goes, our Father who art in heaven. And I said, mm-hmm, hallowed be, mm-mm. She says, stop right there. 
our father. I said, okay, Grandma, all right, where are we going? She said, our father. Jesus didn't say to pray my father. Jesus didn't say to pray your father. He said, pray our father. Why do you think? So that you and I would always know that we're family, that we're in this together. It's not he's more of a father to you in comparison to me. I said, Grandma's preaching right now. She goes, our father. So that you and I would always know that when we pray to our father, it is always a prayer for us to walk together in unity, called together in family, so that division never sets into the camp where someone else thinks they're closer to the father than another. I said, Grandma, you better stop right now. I started to write. Lord, have mercy. I went up. I went up to the room. I just started to write. I got, I got a whole word out of this. Y'all ready to go? Our Father. But it's so interesting in Luke chapter 11 when that the, the, the writer here doesn't begin with our Father, but there's so much to this that I felt like I needed to write it down, and I wanted to take a little bit of a practical journey um, for, in regards to what I feel the Holy Spirit gave me today. Um, if you're taking notes, keep knocking on heaven's door. Let that be the, be the first thing that you write, and then I, I would even say just post it somewhere in your dorm room. Keep knocking on heaven's door because there is always a reason here on this earth to keep knocking on heaven's door. Amen? Something goes down every day that gives me enough reason to keep knocking on heaven's door. Luke 11, verse 1. You with me? Say amen. Oh, come on, wake up. Did anybody get some coffee this morning? Oh, my goodness. My, my Americano right now from milk and honey, not bad, not bad. I mean, anyway. Um, now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Hey, Lord. Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. You see, Jesus, I'll stop right there. Jesus' disciples were watching. This is what they were watching. This is what they observed. They observed his commitment to pray. And not just that, but they witnessed the results of prayer in the life of Christ. Living a disciplined lifestyle of prayer. And so Jesus says to them in verse 2, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Jesus is expressing to his disciples the beauty of the conversation that we get to have with our Father in heaven. He's not just a higher being, far out of reach. God is our heavenly Father, and holy is his name. You see, that's what Hollywood means. Your Father in heaven is holy, regardless of what your earthly father is like or was like or regardless of whatever kind of relationship that you might have or maybe not have with your father here, you've got a heavenly father who is holy, loving, merciful, does not fail, will never leave you nor forsake you. The father in heaven is perfect and holy. Holiness is God's chief characteristic. His holiness ties all of his other attributes together. His grace is holy. His mercy is holy. His love is holy. And it allows for you and I to rest in the beauty of God's extraordinary love and relationship that he desires to have with us right now in this moment. 
relationship. Without fail, God who will never leave nor forsake us. And it's through Christ that we get to know who our Father is and his love for us. John 14, verse 8 through 10. It's this conversation between Jesus and his disciple Philip. In John 14, 8, Philip says to him, Hey, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus says to him, Am I with you all for so long a time, and you have not known me, Philip? The one having seen me has seen the Father. How is it you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? I am not speaking the words which I am saying to you from myself, but the Father abiding in me is doing his works. You see, when you and I continue to lean into God's word and lean into scripture, understanding the beautiful relationship that you've been called into with Christ the Savior, that immediately draws you into knowing who your heavenly father is. It's through Christ and Christ alone. When you see Jesus, when you, when you get a revelation of Jesus, there's a revelation of the father. Listen, for most of my years in life, I made an effort to escape mannerisms that reflect my earthly father. His name is Gary Ham. He's a reverend. He's a pastor. He teaches and he preaches. And he has mannerisms. And he has certain inflections in his voice and tonality and movement and things that he does with his hands and all those things that he does for years I've tried to escape that in my own preaching and teaching but I have not been able to escape it I am my father's child I had the most awkward moment when I was once upon a time an associate pastor at Times Square Church and I decided that maybe it would be good to just recommend my dad to come in. Whoa, what was I thinking? I had become very familiar in this community. I was a preaching pastor at Times Square Church and, you know, speaking every Sunday at the 6 o'clock service. And then one day I decided to bring in my dad. And, oh, I didn't, I'm telling you, I, I couldn't escape just the, the joy of the congregation seeing how much my father and I were very much the same. And my senior pastor, Pastor Carter Conlon, who's also like a spiritual father, he laughed the entire time while my dad was preaching. And he kept leaning into my ear, oh my goodness, that's you. Oh my goodness, that's you. You are so your dad. And forget it. After that one time he comes in and preaches, then they book them regularly for like the next two years. And they got a kick out of making sure they would schedule him to speak for a three, and then I'd speak for a six, and yeah. And people would be always reminding me, man, you, you, are, you are your father. Like everything that you do, you are your father. Well, now, now in my later years, I've come to appreciate this beautiful, beautiful reflection that I have of my father that really reflects the relationship that God has given to me with my father. 
and it reflects the impact and the influence that he's had on my life. It re reflects the love and the care that he's given to me. It reflects how he has spoken into me, how he has walked with me, how he's journeyed with me. And it's an honor now. I find it a joy to be able to reflect my father. I, I find it a joy to be able to, be able to say, oh, if, if you hear me preach, if you hear me teach, you're seeing my father. Um, and so Jesus, how much more should we come to really embrace the beauty of the relationship with Jesus and the Father that says, oh, no, 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 if you have any questions about the Father, you will find it all in me. And take joy in everything that I desire to give to you because everything that I give to you is a reflection of my Father. And, and so Jesus is so, so passionate, so caring, and wanting to make sure that, that his disciples understood that all that I do comes from my Father. All that I do comes from my Father. Everything that I am and everything that I will continue to do for this generation is a reflection of the Father's love for you. Why do you think at the wedding of Cana, there's an incredible moment in, in, in Scripture at the wedding of Cana. Remember, they come to the wedding, Jesus is invited in, and then they run out of wine. Everybody know the story. Can I get an Amen. If you know the story, say, yeah, I know. It's a beautiful moment, and the wine runs out, and mama looks at her son, and mama's like, <clears throat> they ran out of wine. And remember, Jesus said, woman, what does that got to do with me? I'm sorry, that's my New York translation. But I'm pretty close. And then he goes, it's not, this, this is not my hour. This is the reason, here's the reason why, first of all, when he said, when he said woman, remember that, that was almost very similar to calling, uh, um, calling mama, madame. But what it really represents is a, is a shift. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a shift in who calls the shots. Because in that moment, before he would step into what he was called to do, it had to be the father signing off. Because in order for him to begin to move in a supernatural way in the lives of people, it had to be a clear reflection of the Father's love for people. So he goes, Madam, Madam, uh, it's not my time. But something happens right there in that moment. Really what that was is, Mom, you can't call this. But if my father calls me into this right now, I'm going to do it. So that everything that I do for my people will always be a reflection of the Heavenly Father and his love for people, his love to reconcile you and I back unto him. I love that moment at the wedding of Cana. And then all of a sudden, he goes, he goes into the kitchen. He puts in work. And it's a beautiful scene. Of, uh, and, and, and from that, from that very moment, it's an incredible moment from that moment for the next three years. Everything Jesus does is a reflection of the Father's love for you and I. He served his mama for 30 years. Think about it. He loved his mother. But for the next three years, it was the Father's will. Everything that he did. This is why it's so important that when you pray, you pray our Father. Father. We call on the name of Jesus. That's what we do. I, I, I'm a Pentecostal. We call on the name of Jesus. But I'm learning more and more what it looks like to call on the Father. 
it's been hard for today's generation to call on the Father because of what fatherhood has looked like here on earth. Fatherhood here horizontally has been a constant disappointment. This is why you have to set your affections on things above and not on things on this earth because horizontally, fatherhood has been an epic failure globally. But here, this incredible vertical, vertical connection, I have direct access to the throne of grace because of the finished work of the cross. Because of Jesus Christ, I now can call on my Abba Father. Romans chapter 8, we've been given the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba Father. I've been, I've been adopted into a kingdom lineage, a, a kingdom legacy where I cry out, Heavenly Father, our Father, hallowed be your name, holy is your name. You're my Father and you're holy and I have direct access to your holiness. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Man, it's just such, it's, listen, but uh, I'm sliding over to the gospel of Matthew, Lord help me. But, but listen, this kingdom work, the kingdom of God here on earth, kingdom access is immediately calls you into a kingdom work. It, 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 and what's happening here, the kingdom of God is activated every time you pray and ask God for, for clear access to the Father. The Father's kingdom at work in us. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. Mm. Now, naturally, we desire to have enough provision to last forever, to last for years. My wife's been on me right now. She's like, we need to get another refrigerator. We need to get that refrigerator down in the basement because we're living in the end of days right now. Something's about to happen in New York City. We got to make sure we got enough food. I'm like, I ain't ready to spend no money on no refrigerator. I like the refrigerator that's right here in the kitchen. All right? If I need to go get some more bread, I'll go to the store and get some. One day you're not going to be able to get more bread. And we're going back and forth all of a sudden. Now, 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 now we're arguing about theology and like, um, you know, and, and post-tribulation, pre-tribulation. And, and, you know, and we just, you know, and it, we, it, it just unravels. But, but, no, at the end of it all, we just know, thy kingdom come, your will be done. But, Lord, give us. Give us this daily bread. You know, scripture, uh, scripture makes it very clear that as we begin to just really search out the, the word of the Lord and understand, yeah, the, 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 these are very troubling times. Yes, we do need to be ready. But, but what Jesus is saying in this prayer is to be thankful for what he provides for you today. Be at peace. That perfect peace that, that God desires to give you, knowing that he's going to provide today. If his mercies are new every morning, then rest assured he's going to see you through the rest of the day. His mercies are new every morning. That's, that's, that's what is, that's Lamentations chapter 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Why? So that you can have a fresh start. Great is his faithfulness. Like he's going to be faithful. He's going to provide. Like, like, like that was one of the, in, in the Gospels, there's a, there's a moment where, where the disciples are kind of freaking out about, like, what they're going to eat. And you ready for this? They were really concerned about what they were going to wear. 
Like, you go back and look at Scripture, but in the Gospels, there's a, there's a moment where Jesus has to let them know, whoa, relax, all right? I take care of the birds, you all right? They, they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not worried about, like, what they're going to eat. He goes, I'm going to give you daily bread. I'm going to provide. I'm going to meet the need while you're here at Elam. Because I know some of you are like, oh, my goodness, when I get out of here, where, where am I going to work? I gave up my job. I don't even know what's next. Some of you are already worried about the summer, and God's just saying, be thankful for the daily bread you have right now. You're already, like, working yourself up to a panic attack because you're afraid that in the spring, the job's not going to still be there when you get there. Don't worry about that. He's brought you too far to fail you now. He's got you. So pray. Pray his words. Father, give me your daily bread. But of course, as we know, we've got to make sure that we have spiritual application as well as practical application to a verse that reminds us that there has to be a daily intake of the bread of life. There has to be daily communion with Christ and fellowship with him and daily communion with him to rest always each day in this incredible new covenant relationship that we have with Jesus. There has to be this time of devotion. That is daily bread that you cannot go out, go out with, go without, sorry. What, meaning, meaning this, and I'm sure you've heard this very practical analogy of what life looks like each day when you get hungry. And then when you get hungry, you get hangry. Anybody know what hangry is? That's when you're hungry and you're angry all at the same time. And that's when you're no good. That's when you got an attitude. That's when you're all up in your feelings. That's when you're ready to hurt somebody if they talk to you the wrong way. And it's not until you get some food in you that you're able to calm down and relax emotionally. Wow, just emotionally, some of us get so distraught if we haven't had a meal yet. Uh, for me, it's just, it's, it's, here we go again, but it's my coffee. Lord Jesus, if I don't get that first cup of coffee in the morning, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I start preaching out of my own flesh, and that ain't no good. And so what happens when we're hangry? What happens when we're hungry? We will stop everything in life to make sure we get something to eat. We will change up our schedule. We will rearrange everything. We will put people on pause and go get something to eat. How much more should you be committed to receiving spiritual nourishment on a daily basis so that your spirit, so that your soul is properly fed and nourished for you to continue to take this journey of faith and bear witness of King Jesus. If you are not spiritually nourished each day, your witness as a believer in Christ will always fail. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Verse 4, you with me? Say amen. 
Jesus encourages us to pray that our Heavenly Father would forgive us our sins. But understand, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us, revealing sin in our lives. And when the Holy Spirit reveals our failure, when the Holy Spirit reveals our failure, we must address it, confess it, and turn from it. When the Holy Spirit reveals our failure, this is why you can't take this faith journey without the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. We need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit this hour. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no conviction. Without conviction, we'll never address sin issues. We'll never come to a place of confession. We'll never turn from it. The Holy Spirit brings us always to this place where it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives inside of me daily. Hey, there's a rising generation of believers right now that are okay doing church, doing Jesus without any conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it's cultivated a culture of casual Christianity. Casual Christianity. Not even like nominal Christians. I'm talking casual Christianity, which means like these folks are like, they're in church like actually every week. They'll actually do small groups, but everything is casually approached. No conviction. No conviction. So we're talking, about, we're talking about a generation that all in one weekend, they'll go to a Maverick City conference on Friday, but they'll be at Beyonce's tour on Saturday night. Some of y'all look at me like, oh, wow, really? You saying I have to remove Beyonce off my playlist? I'm saying that you need the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to work in you what you know you need to be doing. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you, yield to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. That convicting power of the Holy Spirit that moves you into God's Word each and every day. And as you draw from God's Word, suddenly there are convictions that start to take shape in your soul that will cause you to remove certain things in your life that you thought casually were okay. And suddenly they're not okay anymore. Suddenly there becomes a sense of urgency to allow this fire to stir in you in such a way that you don't have time for a casual approach to Jesus. And so you go back to this prayer that makes it very clear. Forgive us of our sins, for we ourselves forgive, so that we ourselves can forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. How? How? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that leads us in the right way. Without the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will always simply just kind of stroll through life, just considering that maybe, maybe the things that some people do are not so bad. I'm dealing with this right now in New York City. I'm dealing with Gen Z and millennials that are coming into our church. We've got, we've got a large number of transplants, 300 plus people, 
And many of them are, are coming from other churches. I'll just be honest. And I'm going, Lord God, please help Soul Cry not to look like some church that steals people from other churches. But what's really happening is they're coming in, they're visiting, and they're sensing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a cry for more. I said this last night. There's a cry for more. Where does that cry come from? When we yield to the Holy Spirit. When we yield to the presence and the power of Jesus that, that drops us to our knees and we cry out for more. Oh God, lead us your way, not into temptation. You know, like for, for, for so many, we've, 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 um, we've, we, we've limited that little moment in Scripture that says, lead us not into temptation. We've, we've, we've created this small lane as if that little phrase only pertains to like sexual sin or, or like lust or, or, or just all the, it's, that pertains to like the really, really dark stuff. And I'm so glad I'm not in the dark stuff. That scripture verse talks about a, a lot, a broader perspective of understanding that there is this casual world that says everything is good and everything is fine and maybe we should soften up on just some of the stuff that's in the gray area. I don't want gray. I want red. I want the blood of Jesus. I want the finished work of the cross. Somebody better shout me down now or else I'm going to take off and run down this aisle. I don't want gray. I want truth. I want the way, the truth, and the life. Lead us, lead us, Lord God. Lead us in the way, the truth, and the life. Lead us, lead us away from this temptation of, of just approaching things casually. Lead us, lead us away, oh God, from this temptation of just kind of being complacent and satisfied with whatever. The temptation to just see life as just ordinary rather than extraordinary. Lead me from the temptation of just, just, just giving up and just, just going to do like whatever as soon as I get out of here. I just, I just want to finish, get out of here, and just go, go back to whatever I do. That temptation, of, of, that temptation to, to not dream anymore, to not believe for more, to not believe that, that maybe God has this extraordinary calling and purpose for your life. God, lead us away from, from that that mindset that says, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. The temptation to believe that you're not good enough. The temptation to believe that there really is no calling on your life. Listen. Verse 5. I love how Jesus gives just a little bit more context in this gospel. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give any, him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs because of his persistence, because of his determination, because of his desperation, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. If you think bold persistence with your friends gets you what you need, 
Try bold persistence with your heavenly father. Jesus illustrates with this story explaining that bold persistence in a relationship with your heavenly father will always lead to provision, breakthrough, and miracles. Verse 9, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Hallelujah. Seek, and you will find glory to God for his word. Knock, and it will be open to you. Man, can we dwell on that for a moment? Verse 10, Jesus says, Jesus says this to us. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, finds. The one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Hey, I find every bit of this in these two verses to be profound yet practical and true. Jesus said it. Ask for what you need. Two, seek after God's will. And three, knock on heaven's door. That's it. Ask for what you need. Seek after God's will. Knock on heaven's door. See, you and I, we just can't sit back and wait for things to happen. We have to keep knocking on heaven's door. Ask, seek, and knock. I love verse 11. He goes, and he keeps going. He's like, I, I feel like Jesus here, as he's having this conversation with the disciples, it, it, I, think, I think he senses they don't fully get it yet. So let me just keep going with my illustrations. Let me keep going with this message so that they would know. If you just keep knocking, the door is going to open up for you. Listen, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? I've never given my kids a serpent. I don't think any of you, your daddy has ever put a snake in your room. I pray, I hope not, or else everything's going to go wrong right now. I know. Listen. This is the word. Verse 12. Or, or if he, if a son or daughter asks for an egg, We'll give him a scorpion. I know none of y'all's daddy gave you a scorpion. Scorpion. I pray not. If you then, oh man, watch. Everybody looking at verse 13, say amen. Thank you, all 12 of you. Yes. If you then, who are, what? Evil. Wow. Come on, Jesus. Shots fired. If you then, who are evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. Hey, how much more will who? The heavenly father. How much more will the heavenly father give? You ready? What? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Oh, that's it. That seals it. Yeah, you can ask. Yeah, you can knock. Yes, keep knocking on heaven's door, but know this, that it is the heavenly Father's desire to give you the greatest gift, the Holy Spirit. Why? Why? You see, well, let me back up just a little bit. Uh, he, says, he says this, remember, shots fired. He goes, listen, you, 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 none, of, none of your daddies have given you a scorpion. None of your daddies have put a snake in your room. 
And for many of you, you've at some point asked from someone, whether it be a legal guardian, whether it be a parent, whether it be an auntie, an uncle, a grandma, there's been someone in your life who, who maybe you've asked something and maybe you don't even remember. Maybe you were two years old, three years old. I, I don't know. And everyone's story is a little different. We've, we all have things that we've gone through where we have faced rejection. But there's a moment in each person's life where we've asked for something and then there's been, uh, been there's been, we've received something. And Jesus makes it clear, listen, if a whole lot of evil people, he makes it very clear, if you who are flawed, broken, failed, desperately in need of a savior, fleshly, prideful, arrogant, fearful, and doubtful, and yet you figure out ways to give something, how much more will a holy, heavenly father, how much more will your holy father Holy. Remember how we started 45 minutes ago? Holy. Our Heavenly Father. How much more does he desire to give to you and I? So much so that he gives you direct access to the throne of grace that he gives you and I the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? He's given us himself. God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one, the Trinity, the same Spirit, remember, that raised Christ from the grave is the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that's been given to you. <sighs> right here, right here, direct access. That's what connects you to the throne of grace. Scripture says he's given you the keys to the kingdom. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The keys to the kingdom is the gift of the Holy Spirit that works in you and through you so that when you do ask, those things that you ask for are stirred up from your soul coming from the Holy Spirit. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us that aligns us to the will of the Father so that you're not running around going, oh, Lord God, please give me two billion. Give me two billion. I'll go, I'll go do missions work all over the world for you. But it may not be with the Holy Spirit desires of you and when you are leaning into the word and the Holy Spirit brings revelation those things that you will ask will be in alignment to the Holy Spirit at work in you so that you're not just asking for some of the strangest things because we have these asks that we will do like in our flesh but I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit aligns me in such a way that when I cry out to the Lord I'm going this 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 is David Ham oh father Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I love you so much. My wife has been a type 1 diabetic since she was 14. Heavenly Father, now that she's, she's a, I'm not going to give you her age, but now that she's this age, Lord God, I'm just praying right now that you would balance out her sugar levels. I'm praying still right now, all these years later, that God, that you would do a, a supernatural work in her body. That's the Holy Spirit stirring my heart to pray for healing. And I'm going to keep knocking on heaven's door. Lord God, I thank you for my son. I thank you. I thank you for my 22-year-old son. I thank you, Lord, how you brought him out of, out of a very dark season when he was like 18 and 19. Lord, I thank you for just what you're stirring in him to lead our young people at Soul Cry. I thank you, Lord God, for the lyrics that you're giving him. I thank you, Lord, for the beats that you're giving him. Enlarge his platform so that he bear witness of your name. That's the Holy Spirit stirring my heart to pray for my son, to pray for my daughters, to believe for more for them. 
Lord God, I thank you for Soul Cry Church. Lord, I thank you for the little auditorium that we're in at this little elementary school. But Lord God, if it be your will, Lord God, give us the keys to a building right here in Queens so that we can continue, Lord God, to build on what you've given us. That's the Holy Spirit leading me. Lord God, I pray right now, give us the nations for the glory of your name. And I'm learning to pray in the beginning. Oh, Heavenly Father, Abba Father. And I'm learning to close out my prayer the way Jesus closed it out in Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And the Holy Spirit cultivates the urgency and desperation for God's will to be done as you and I keep knocking on heaven's door. Knocking on heaven's door. Knocking on heaven's door. I wake up in the morning, I'm still knocking on heaven's door. The midnight hour, I'm still knocking on heaven's door for the salvation of my loved ones, for the salvation of cousins that still don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm still knocking on heaven's door for the streets that I'm serving in, in Queensbridge Housing Projects. 10,000 people live in Queensbridge Housing Projects alone. 10, 000, it's the largest housing projects in North America, and violence has increased because migrants are coming into New York City. If Some of you are following the news, but we're getting thousands that are coming in like every day, and so it's changed sort of the, the demographic quite intensely and it feels it feels intense it feels like the saints need to cry out for God to move we need a revival in our streets and so I'm knocking on heaven's door like Lord give me give me lost people give me lost sheep I'm going up to gang members. I'll talk about it a little bit later in some of the other messages but I'm going up to gang leaders once again in Queensbridge I'm going I'm here for the glory of my father in heaven Oh, I got to wrap up, and I just, I just, we need to knock on heaven's door together before, before, we, before we walk out of here. But let me, let me tell you something. I'm going, God, give me the streets. Give me the streets. Give me the streets for the glory of your name. You know, the, the other day, the other day, Lisa, I, we, 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 we do what we call Saturday serve, soul cry serve days. It's once a month. And, and we set up at, at this, this three different spots right by the bus and the train stations. It's the highest amount of traffic coming out of trains and buses right in Queensbridge housing projects. And we set up tables, so we have it in our budget where we go out and we get 800 to 1,000 water bottles and 800 to 1,000 snacks. And we set it up at these different tables. And we have teams of 10 and 15 all in these different tables because at Soul Cry Church, we're called to respond to the cry of broken souls in our community. We stay on mission and we're knocking on heaven's door for the lost. We're knocking on heaven's door for a revival in Queens. And so we come out and then people who come out of the train, people who are coming off the bus, they're taking water and their snacks, but then they're going, why are you here? And who are you? And what's going on? And we're seeing our team all throughout this whole one block and a half radius praying over people, leading them to Jesus Christ, laying hands on their children, and then showing up to church on Sunday. All glory to God. But in November, I had one of my guys come running to me. He said, hey, we got a situation. There's a gang leader that wants y'all to move the tables. I said to him, what did you say to him? I said, I told him my pastor said we can't move the tables. Oh, man. All right. I go over, this brother's about the same age as me. He's got, a, he's got a shadow beard and it's all gray. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you, are you for real? He's like an OG on the block right now. And as soon as I walk up, this is the first thing I said to him. The first thing I said to him, I said, hey. I said, my name's David Ham. I said, I'm, I'm the pastor here of this church. We're out here. And then I, I can barely even finish what I'm saying. He says, yo, my man, y'all need to move the tables right now, bro. 
moved the tables. You know what I said to him? I said, brother, I'm not moving the tables. Rule of thumb out on the streets and outreach, especially in Queens, especially in New York City. The moment I yield to his demand, suddenly the gangs now even determine where the church moves. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Why? I know who my daddy is. He doesn't yet, but I know who my father is. I said, yo, brother, I said, what's your name? You ready for this? I said, yo, brother, what's your name? He said, Godfather. <laughs> In the spirit, I said, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, give me the upper hand to speak to Godfather. Abba, Father, Abba, Father. See, Godfather to him, that's just a street name, but it means a whole lot more to me. Abba Father. I said, yo, my man, I said, let me tell you, Godfather. I said, we're not moving the tables. I said, we've been called to these streets in this community. I'm saying y'all got to move the tables. Now he's looking at me kind of funny. He's really worked up. Y'all move the table. I said, brother, I'm telling you right now, listen to me. I said, I'm here to serve this community and these streets and to love on these people and to let them know how much God loves them. And he got quiet. I said, I'll tell you what, we'll make sure that the sidewalks are clear. I said, but the tables don't move. I told my guys, Go, guys, walk away. And we walked away. And now it was just me and Godfather and my Abba Father and the Holy Spirit at work. I said, yo, Godfather, I knew he was about my age. I said, hey, you remember 1999? Because that was the year that Brother Paul Johansson sent me to Queens to step into my first ministry assignment in New York City. Brother Paul Johansson sent me to his twin brother, Pastor Robert Johansson, where I was the first full-time youth pastor at Edanza Church, just three blocks away from where I was talking to Godfather. I said, yo, Godfather, I said, I came up in 99 right here. Remember those years? Oh, man, yo, I remember those years. For those that don't know, but in 99, that whole area of Queensbridge was known for their music, was known for hip-hop, was known for being like this electrifying just kind of community that brought so much life to New York City. He's like, yeah, I remember those years. And he started to list off some of the, the rappers. I was able to list some of them, too, because I was coming fresh out of Bible school, going to Queensbridge. And I said, I used to walk around at Queensbridge. I used to hear the music. He's like, yeah, I miss those days. I miss the way the culture was. I said, yo, I said, Godfather, I I said, there's another culture I want to tell you about. It's the culture of Christ. The only begotten son of God who came to die for me and to die for you. And my life is committed to reflect. Now, while I'm saying this, I'm praying in the spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving on me. The Holy Spirit is giving me a sense of urgency for his soul. Now, he didn't receive Jesus yet, but we're building a relationship. And so in November... This is how that conversation ended. I said, listen, I'm going to go back to my tables. We're going to continue to serve people. I said, but I'm here. This is what he says after I'm done. He goes, yo, Pastor Ham. I never told him to refer to me as Pastor Ham. He said, yo, Pastor Ham, thank you for being here. I walked away. On December 30th, we did our last serve day right there, same spots. As soon as we drove up, we started unpacking. There was Godfather right there on the corner. I got out of my car, walked right over to Godfather. I said, yo, Godfather. He's like, oh, Pastor Ham, what's up? I said, yo, my man, this is what I said to him. I said, we here, brother. 
I said, we're back here on the street. We will be every single month. I said, I'm here to serve this community. I said, yo, Godfather, anything that you need, I'm here for you. All right? All right, you just hit me up. I'm here. What am I doing? It's a transfer of authority. It's not your block anymore, Godfather. It's Abba Father's block. And I'm speaking out of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've been praying and I've been interceding on behalf of Godfather. And he looked at me like, yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll be here for about four hours. Anything you and your crew need, just come over and see me. Not your block anymore. When you pray and when you have a desperation and an urgency for the lost, the Holy Spirit stirs something in you. And I'm telling you, maybe all that God is doing for you right now at Elam as you pray and seek his face, maybe it's not just for you. Maybe it's for the loss that you're going to reach when you step out of here. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. God, stir in us by the power of your Holy Spirit to knock on heaven's door. We will not approach your throne of grace casually. Give us a desperation. Give us an urgency to knock on your door, to keep knocking on your door, to keep knocking on your door. Forgive us for for quitting, for drawing back. Give us a new thirst and hunger for righteousness. Give us more. Give us more as we keep knocking on your door. Holy Spirit, stir up a fire in every soul that will not go out. 